On today's episode, I'm joined by John Tobias, who is a professor teaching sports analytics at UNC Charlotte and a statistician at ESPN. Quick disclaimer, we do briefly discuss fantasy sports and sports betting, and I do work for DraftKings. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at MeasurablesPod and me at Brendan Kent. This is Measurables. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I want to start at the beginning. When did you first become interested in sports analytics? Well, you know, it's interesting, Brandon. You know, my answer to that is that I've always had a love and affinity when it comes to stats, advanced stats, and, and analytics. But it's funny because, you know, years ago, the word analytics wasn't really used much. I mean, it may have been another mm-hmm. word, a term used in terms of advanced stats, but you know, ever since I was very young, I was always enamored in terms of, you know, with advanced stats and, and, and analytics. But it just became recently, and when I say recently, of course, within the past 10 years, I, it ended up, you know, causing me to have a career out of it. So, it, so having answered that question, I've always had a love and affinity towards uh, sports stats and advanced stats and analytics for sure. And and what was your, your career path, your current roles at, at- ESPN and, and UNC, what was sort of your path there? Oh, wow. about as unconventional as you can get. <laughs> and I'll give, I'll give you the cliff note version. So, you know, when I was uh, an undergrad student, again, I've always had a love for sports. I love sports mm-hmm. back then as much as I love it now. And, you know, the average person would say, well, wait a minute, why is it that you did not have a career in sports? I tried to make a career in sports back when you were as an undergrad. And, you know, it's a little deeper, meaning that I do not even have the ability, you know, Brennan, to even dream like that, to even dream mm-hmm. that big. Wait, wait a minute, like working for ESPN or like working for like, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, like that's impossible. Let me just go ahead and get <laughs> the job that I just know that I can get and get paid every two mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so the thing about it is, is that I ended up, you know, majoring in a major that I never did anything with criminal justice, ended up working in finance for like several years. And then that's when I more or less had like my epiphany, like, wait a minute, you know, the definition of success isn't how much money you make is really doing something that you have a love, love, have a passion for. And I wrote all the things that I love, but what stood out for far, first and foremost, it was sports and advanced mm-hmm. stats as well. But of course, the first thing that comes to your mind whenever you think about something big, like a career change, is doubt. Oh, wait a minute. I can't break into this business. I don't know anyone. I don't know who to call. But I was really determined. So, but I had to recalibrate, meaning that I wanted to break into the sports business, but I knew that I would not be able to get in based on a finance background. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting um, going to grad school, and I got my master's in sports uh, in sports management. And I ended up, and of course that part was good because because that gave me some type of credibility. But the biggest key was getting an internship with uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. That was the mm-hmm. big. And the best analogy I can give is kind of like removing the curtain, like maybe like the Wizard of Oz, you like remove the curtain and you're able to see things that you otherwise would not have been privy to. So that's how I really got my foot in the door. So I interned with the Hornets, worked with them in terms of their game night staff for a while. And that eventually led me to working with ESPN like around 2013. And, uh, and I'm still with ESPN. And now I end up, you know, teaching as well. But 
the teaching part, you know, that, that's that's another story. But of course, I can I can explain to you how I got from ESPN to teaching, even though I I have both jobs. Yeah, um, and I, I want to get into that uh, a little bit more in a second, and sort of what your your respective roles are for each. But just going back for a second here, you mentioned you know right out of college, you you went into finance, and I know you know finance can mean a lot of different things, but you know in general, there's a, a familiarity with numbers and you know being able to do a little bit of work in Excel at the very least. Is that where you developed a lot of your technical skills, or did most of that come down the road with your your master's degree and and you know the other areas you gained experience? No, no, not at all. And I mean, and I worked for like you know Fortune 500 companies, you know, like mm-hmm. American Express and, and Bank of America and, and, and Pepsi. Pepsi Cola, but it did not help me in terms of like my technical skills. I more or less was more or less self-taught when it comes to the, you know when it came to the technical aspect in terms of the sports and the advanced stats and the analytics part. So working in the corporate world, really honestly, I wish I could tell you that it did help me, but it did not. Mm-hmm. And and so being self-taught in a lot of these areas, where did you find you the best resources? You know, what how did you go about teaching yourself? And and we'll probably touch on a lot of this stuff later as we talk more about specifically teaching. But um, you know, teaching yourself, where did you find uh, resources? You know, it's interesting. It's really it was a lot of on the job, you know, training and just really just observing. Because doing advanced stats from a broadcast entity like ESPN or Fox or CBS. It's totally different in terms of like how people may view advanced stats and analytics when it comes to like team and player performance. So a mm-hmm. lot of times, you know, I will look at the game from a very myopic sense in terms of like tunnel vision and just learning in terms of things that I feel that could really help from like a technical standpoint. So whether I go ahead and I would like look at certain things throughout the game and then I would try to go ahead and build like certain like databases that I felt that could help advance you know, the knowledge even more so. So again, a lot of it was really self-taught, but it all started like in the broadcasting part of mm-hmm. stats and analytics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, with this broadcasting part is your role at, at ESPN. Can you talk a little bit about what, you know, being a statistician at ESPN in your role entails? What does that look like day to day? And what are sort of some of the overall overarching goals of your department? Great question. Well, you know, the thing about it is, is that, Brendan, is that even if I did not work in the sports world, I would have no idea what a statistician, what their duties and responsibilities would be. So it's one of those things. So like, let's say, for example, you know, speaking of ESPN and well, we're in March now, so football season's over. So let's go ahead and use the NBA, for example. So mm-hmm. let's say, for example, if it's the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. So obviously those are like the two most talked about teams right now. Let's say we're all watching the game. And let's say, you know, you have the announcers like Mike Breen, Dick, um, uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. And mm-hmm. you're, you're watching the game and you're listening to them. And then all of a sudden you may hear them say, well, right now, you know, the Lakers are on a 10-0 run right now. Or can you believe that Anthony Davis has scored 14 of the last 16 points? And by the way, all 14 of those points have come into paint. So that's the announcer saying something. But he's actually getting that information from someone that is sitting right beside him, tell, giving him that information to tell the TV audience, or you may see something mm-hmm. at the bottom of the TV screen. LeBron James has seven assists, and he's assisted to like six different players. That's mm-hmm. someone telling the producer, hey, listen, I'm noticing that something during this game that's a trend. I think you may want to go ahead and put this at the bottom of the TV screen. We're in the broadcast business, we call it a lower third. So the consumer and the viewing audience can see that. So mm-hmm. that's really one person that's given that information 
because really what I'm doing is, is that a statistician, you kind of explain a narrative to the audience as to why the game is going the way it's going. Oh, so that's the reason why Brooklyn is down by 10. Oh, that's the reason why the Lakers only mm-hmm. up by two. So you're explaining a narrative to why the game is going the way it's going through advanced stats and analytics. And and in that process, as the actual statistician, what are some of the tools you're using? Are you you know querying a SQL Server database? Is, I assume ESPN probably has some in-house tools as well. What does that look like in practice, finding these trends and stats to build that story? It's, it's two things. One, you have to do your due diligence in terms of like doing like a day or two of research, and then also doing the game. You do have more or less like a monitor uh, that's normally uh, built by the National Basketball Association if it's like the NBA, and then, of course, when it comes to college, it is this tool called Stat Broadcast, like statbroadcast.com, and it breaks down everything in terms of the bot scores, and then you're able to see things from an advanced stat standpoint. So it's not it's not anything to where you pop in SQL or Python or like R right then and there. You just have to make sure that you are going, you're, at, you're able to extrapolate more so based on the data that you're mm-hmm. looking at in real time. So it's challenging in a different way because, again, you're trying to break things down and explain why the game is going the way it's going in real time. Because, again, you're trying to educate the TV audience, and that's done through the play-by-play announcer as well as the producer because he's posted at the bottom of the TV screen. Got it. That makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. And so you mentioned you your ESPN rule somehow you – know, you know, led into your current role, uh, your current dual role as, as a professor teaching sports analytics at UNC Charlotte. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened and, and what your role is at UNC Charlotte? A hundred percent. So it's interesting. So about three years ago, I read an article that Syracuse University uh, became the first school to where you could actually get a bachelor's degree in sports analytics. And I was yeah. fascinated by that. And of course, I'm based here in Charlotte. And I said to myself, well, listen, first off, that's really awesome. And two, you know, I would love to have the opportunity to teach students here in terms of like just how important stats and analytics come into play, especially if this is something that I do for a living. Mm -hmm. So I ended up pitching the idea to a couple of the people here at the university, you know, the higher ups. uh, And thankfully, you know, they were very receptive. They thought it was a good idea. And then I ended up teaching as an adjunct. Uh, the fall of 2019. So it hasn't really been that long ago. So what, about a year and a half ago? So fall of Mm -hmm. 2019, the name of the class was Intro to Sports Stats and Analytics. And that's how that came into play. And it was only 15 students in the class. So it wasn't many students, but it was something, you know, that was very enjoyable. And then um, the semester after that, you know, obviously word got out. So the class size (laughs) tripled. Now, I would say from an ego standpoint, Brandon, it's because of me, but it's not it's because of the word analytics, sports analytics <laughs> yeah. buzzword. And, uh, and then, of course, I thought of uh, summer practicum last summer. And uh, and then recently, you know, I just got offered, you know, a full time position um, because, again, you know, my boss has the great foresight to see that this is, you know, a, an industry that that the trajectory is really trending upward in a, in a big way for sure. But yes, I was inspired by Syracuse University and I wanted to have the opportunity, I give students here the opportunity to let them know just how important and vital stats and advanced stats and analytics come into play in the sports world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Syracuse is a really exciting 
program up there. You know, you can get a whole degree in, in sports analytics, which is which is awesome to see. And I, I want to come back to that a little at the end and talk about, you know, if you were designing your own sports analytics degree, what it would look like. But first, I want to get more into the specifics of of you know teaching just one class in introduction to sports analytics and sports mm-hmm. stats, um, which is what I've actually started doing as well. This first uh, first semester, I'm doing it this spring at Linfield University in Oregon. Um, but in uh, thank you. Um, and and in your in your mind, what are the most important topics to cover in an introductory sports analytics class? What are the key things to get out right off the bat? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like when even before I got the okay to uh, to teach as an adjunct, I even started to build the curriculum like in my head. To some, because mm-hmm. I always try to put myself in the student shoes to where, okay, what would I find interesting? What, what would more or less, you know, cause me to say, wow, I mean, this is something that, that really resonates with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing in terms of like putting into play. But there were really four things, you know, that, that really stand out in terms of like how analytics comes into play from a team standpoint, obviously, uh, from a player standpoint. Uh, from a broadcast standpoint, because obviously this, you know, that's my bread and butter. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, from a contract negotiation standpoint. So yeah, here's a great example. So I'm trying to figure out who's scheduled to be like a free agent. You know, it, well, at first it was going to be Giannis, but of course I know he signed that, um, that Supermax contract with, um, with, um, with the Bucks. Dak Prescott, even though he just signed just recently. Yeah. So let's say, for example, if you're the agent of Dak Prescott and you go to Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and you say, hey, listen, I think that my client should get paid almost as much money or as much as Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes based on this. And you have to make sure that you put something tangible, whether Dak is like, you know, has the highest, you know, completion rating, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, whether he you know has the, the most wins in terms of comfort behind wins. You have to make sure that it's something tangible. In Dome Stadiums, he's undefeated. Uh, in cold weather mm-hmm. games, he's above 500, you know, compared to, like, other, you know, quarterbacks. Stats come into play with that. You have to make sure that you have something, again, tangible to say, well, you know what, I, I, think, I think I do need to pay your client. So, again, that's one way how those are the four type of metrics that I really, you know, that, that stood out more so than anything, you know, team performance, player performance, you know, broadcast, and then, of course, the impact that it has on contract negotiations as well as salary caps. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you generally structure your curriculum? Do you hit one of those topics first or do you sort of, you know, cover them all at once and, and kind of focus the class over a different dimension? You know, actually, it really depends on whether it's the fall semester or the spring semester, because mm-hmm. the thing about it is the fall semester, obviously, that's football going on. And of course, you know, football is king, you know, in this country. So yeah. a lot of times it's, it's football centric. So a lot of times I make sure that I talk about how it is from like a team standpoint. But in terms of like the spring semester, I may just go ahead and start with in terms of like the contract negotiation standpoint, because then football season is about to end. Free agency is about to start. And then also you have the trade de- deadline when it comes to the NBA, which is in March. So I generally start in terms with that, with the spring semester. So it really depends on which semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It definitely, you know, talking to people that work for teams, their their year is sort of what they're doing day to day is is very much related to the, the sports schedule. And, 
you know, if you work for an NFL team, you're working on draft stuff during one part of the year and you might be working on game to, <laughs> game, to game stuff another part of the year. So I, um, I think it's really interesting that you, you, you structure it like that. Do you, do you find that there are particular aspects of sports analytics that, that come easier to students than you'd expect? That, you know, maybe, maybe as athletes or just, you know, being around the 24-7 sports media environment, people pick up on faster than you'd think they would? This answer may surprise you, but it's really all the same. And it's all about in terms of like their interest level. And fortunately, mm-hmm. up to this point, you know, where there's breaking things down from, you know, again, team performance, player performance, contract negotiations, um, broadcast. We haven't even talked about in terms of like, you know, like gambling and, 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 and daily fantasy sports. But it's all very interesting to them in terms of like by it coming easier. One example I want to give you is that so yesterday I ended up talking in terms of college and the, and the impact that stats and advanced stats and analytics happen to have on college athletics because during this mm-hmm. pandemic, there hasn't been any college athletic program, whether it's Alabama or any power five school, that have actually made a profit. Like they've lost like so much money. So we I had them break down in terms of like how can how can these athletic programs like recoup money? So we look at it from like a number standpoint. Three ways that they can go ahead and recoup money is either A, ticket sales, B in terms of having like private donors or, you know, in terms of, like, big donors. So, I mean, like, those two, like, like really stand out for sure. So, and then also in terms of the part, in terms of, like, sponsorship, in terms of, like, mm-hmm. TV contracts. So they were fascinated by that. Now, they may, they may seem boring to other people, but, again, it's kind of like removing the curtain to let them know from a business standpoint just how impactful, like, advanced stats and numbers really come into play, even off the field. So... Mm-hmm. They're really, they really find it all interesting. Now, now, granted, I'm speaking, you know, in behalf of them. You know, somebody may, like, say one of my students, well, actually, Professor Tobias is boring sometimes. So, hey, I'm just speaking on behalf of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think the, um, I think the sports business stuff is, is great and, and important. We, we include it in our class as well. And I think, first of all, it's a lot of the skills are you, you translate them. I mean, I, I worked on the team side and, and now I work more on the sports business side and I do a lot of the same things. And, and, you know, for more broadly speaking, I think it also opens up a lot more career opportunities. I mean, there's only you know, so many teams and to go work for in an analytics capacity, but there are a lot of opportunities on the business side that use a lot of the same skills as well. And it's a great way to get into the industry. And, and for some people, uh, that is you know, ultimately just more interesting, I think, than the team stuff too, depending on, on what their preferences are. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about some of the, I guess, quote unquote, soft skills. I wouldn't really call them soft because I think they're pretty important, but like communication, um, you know, the ability to, to problem solve, you know, sort of separately from the actual technical work. What soft skills, you know, like those do you think are, are the most important to teach in a introductory sports analytics class and how do you go about teaching those and when you say soft skills you mean like strictly from like a communication standpoint or just simple basic skills that you have to have if you're trying to get into this business i I would i would probably throw it you know anything under that umbrella in there anything that's really not sort of the technical numbers stuff well of course communication i mean having good effective communication skills and this is something that i was actually taught back in you know the finance world even though i didn't like it is that Effective communication is the number one problem solver. You know, the problem is that mm-hmm. most people don't know how to effectively communicate. 
So with that being said, once when you're able to like, you know, really like hone that particular craft, you know, that's half the battle from a soft skill standpoint. But mm-hmm. and when it comes to just like advanced stats in general, I always really have three rules that, that more or less never really waver. Be timely, be accurate, and be interesting. Be timely, mm-hmm. be accurate, and be interesting. Um, accurate first and foremost, because if you're giving someone wrong information, whether it's from a broadcast standpoint or whether you're working for a team, you're doing that team as well as yourself a disservice. Um, be timely, of course. So let's say if you're working a game, and I'm using LeBron James again, for example, let's say before the game he only needs eight points to pass Carl Malone to move into second place. And let's mm-hmm. say um, – before you know it, you look down and he has 20 points. Well, it's too late. I mean, he already has <laughs> needed eight. Yeah. So that part is good. And then um, the third part, which I think is just as important, is, you know, be interesting. You know, so in other words, like, it's easy to say, hey, listen, uh, you know, Zion Williamson or, like, Tom Brady, you know, they have, like, you know, why use Tom Brady? Like, he has, you know, two touchdowns and 100 yards. Well, anyone can see that. I mean, especially, like, if you're able to, like, to pull up the box score – but what about mm-hmm. something that you can't see? Like, let's say Tom Brady has 300 yards. And by the way, during this game, on third down, he's a perfect seven for seven. It lets you mm-hmm. go, well, wait a minute, this guy's clutch. And third down, on third down, like, he's money. So, again, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. So, again, be accurate, be timely, be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. That'll uh, that'll make sense. Um, so I, I want to go back to the sort of what I mentioned earlier. We were talking about with Syracuse and how they have a whole sports analytics degree now. If you were designing an entire degree in sports analytics, what types of courses would you include? And and that goes for you know sp- you know sports analytics stuff specifically, but but maybe some other courses outside of sports analytics that you think could be related or would would strengthen somebody's um, you know overall ability as as a sports statistician. I think the math element is is important. Uh, I don't think that you have to be quote unquote a math savant, but I think that it is good to like have like like good you know math skills and really being able to to have really good critical thinking skills. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I know that that's not quote unquote a class, but I do think that that is a a great skill you know to have. In terms of the class part, you know, obviously the intro sports uh, stats analytics, of course, it. it it's more or less like an introduction in terms of like the different genres of, um, of, uh, of the sports industry. But a class that I would add that I'm actually teaching for the first time because I realized that, wait a minute, this is something that needs to be taught as well, is the business analytics part. Because we mm-hmm. always talk about in terms of like in, in terms of like what goes on on the field, what goes on on the field. But we rarely talk about what happens off the field. And sometimes those stories can be just as captivating and interesting as what happens on the field. So now I'm teaching, in addition to my other class, I'm also teaching a sports business analytics class as well. So that's another class that I would definitely add. And also even the part in terms of sports gambling. But here's the thing, full disclaimer, full disclosure. When I say that, it's not like that I'm trying to turn any student to like a degenerate or like anything like that. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, if you, if you look at the landscape, a lot of these states are passing gambling laws. And the thing about it is, is that I just think that it's good for students to understand in terms of like how effective analytics comes to play 
when it comes to to sports betting, even in terms of like fantasy football. Um, you know, don't 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 make decisions out of emotion. Make decisions out of out of data, and that's something that I've noticed that students really you know kind of gravitate towards as well in terms of the the daily fantasy part, and then in terms of like the sports betting part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've also found that um, you know sports, you know fantasy sports in particular, is you know often students first exposure to sports analytics or, or sports data. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast and when I ask them how they got interested in sports analytics, mm-hmm. a pretty common answer is I played fantasy football or I played fantasy baseball and I, I got really interested in, in the numbers behind that. And that's what, what gets them into analytics in the first place. So it's interesting to hear you, you tying, um, tying it back to them coming back in from the, the sports analytics side, but they're, they're certainly uh, closely related. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and, and finishing up on, on the teaching aspect, you know, if, if you weren't teaching sports analytics or sports business analytics, what would you be teaching? What, what sort of other interests do you have either related to sports or entirely unrelated? Wow. I'm, I'm pretty boring. I'm pretty basic. (laughs) Sports is like, you know, something that I have always loved since I was, since I was really, really young. I mean, my dad, I mean, not to get morbid, but my, but my dad passed when I was uh, two years old, so I never got a chance to know my dad. But the interesting thing is that he was a huge sports fan as well. He was a sports information director, you know, at, at our local university in Winston-Salem, where I grew up. And it's, it's weird that even though we did not, I did not know him, we still share, like, the same love, you know, in terms of, in terms of sports. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I think that, Sports is really the the one thing that is my true love when it comes to like my love and passion, uh, and I also really enjoy helping others. That's something that that's that's very big to me. But really, in terms of teaching, this would be one thing that stands out more so than anything. That and maybe like uh, teaching like um, a hip hop class, like an intro hip hop one on one. I can yeah. do that for sure. <laughs> it's one of those where whether it's sports or or whatever. The one thing I would tell my students that I always do, whatever it is. Do something that you love and have a passion for. That that is really yeah. like the, the, one of the biggest keys to to really have a very extraordinary life. I mm-hmm. promise you that. Yeah, yeah absolutely agree. Um, you know, one thing I, I want to touch on. Uh, here towards the end is you were recently featured um, in a in a Boston Globe article as as one of the few people of color in sports analytics. In your opinion, how can we best address the the lack of diversity in the industry right now? Well, first off, I really want to give you a lot of credit because, of course, you know that's how you and I connected because you know by you creating a platform you know last summer to give you know, underrepresented groups an opportunity to go ahead and talk to executives in the sports world, that is amazing. And I have to give you like a ton of credit. So good people like you to go ahead and give opportunities like that for underrepresented groups, that is a great way to start, a tremendous way. And another thing that I would say really is that it starts really with high school. And Mm -hmm. the reason why I say that is this, it is all about awareness because like I said before in that Boston Globe article, I've been, I've been working, you know, with ESPN and I've been in the sports analytics industry like well over 10 years. And I've only seen one person that looks like me, one mm-hmm. person. And I've only seen one female and I haven't seen any Latinos. Again, this is not a referendum or an indictment 
on any particular network or organization or company at all. But it lets you know in terms of the talent pool that they choose from, everyone looks the same. So, again, it starts with high school because a lot of high school students, they may love sports, they may love numbers. They may have, they probably, I can safely say, most of them have no idea that what I do even exists in terms Mm -hmm. of working in sports analytics. So, again, it starts with awareness in high school, letting these students know, hey, listen, if you want to break into the sports world, it doesn't have to be only through like an athlete or being a coach. You can actually go ahead and provide value by doing things under the STEM umbrella, you know, based on data, based on advanced stats, like based on numbers. So mm-hmm. it starts with high school because you're giving them awareness. That is the key. Because when you give people awareness, awareness then leads to opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Yeah. Awareness leads to opportunity and hope. Because once they see it, they say to themselves, well, wait a minute, like I could actually do this for a living. All right, so let me go ahead and start breaking down in terms of what colleges that I want to go to that actually happen to have, you know, one of these programs to where I can go ahead and hone my craft and advance my skills. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think one of one of my goals for what I anticipate to be the, the will be the second edition of, of measurables office hours this summer is to hopefully reach more high school students. I think, you know, most of the attendees this past year were, were college or, or graduate, which is awesome. And I, I don't want to, I want to keep that pool and, and expand it to, to younger high school students, because I, I really, I think that, you know, getting people excited about sports analytics early is, is absolutely important. No, um, I agree a hundred percent. And maybe this is something we could work together because having mm-hmm. said all that, uh, towards the end of last year, I created a nonprofit um, called Strength in Numbers, and it is designed to teach underrepresented groups that are rising high school seniors about stats and analytics. It lets mm-hmm. them know. Uh, it educates them. It lets them know that these programs exist, uh, these these jobs exist, and it then gives them hope to, wait a minute, this is something I feel that I could do for a living. So, again, it starts with awareness. Awareness always leads to opportunity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, to finish up here, broadly speaking, what advice do you have for, for someone interested in getting into sports analytics? You know, whether that be in high school, college, you know, mid-career, what would you say are, are the first things someone should do if they want to get into the industry? Uh, a couple of things. N- number one, I tell all of my students, and I've taught, you know, I've had several hundred students since I started, I always make sure that I have one-on-one time with them, period. And I just ask them, what makes you happy? Whether it's something that's sports analytics related or not, like what is it that like makes you happy? And whatever it is they would tell me that makes them happy, whether it's cooking, sports analytics, you know, building, helping others, no matter what, whatever they tell me, I say, I think that you ought to strongly consider making a career out of it because most people that are working aren't doing anything that they love and have a passion for. So whether mm-hmm. you're trying to get into sports analytics or not, I will always tell everyone the same thing when it comes to that. So once when they tell me that, hey, no, I think that sports analytics is something that uh, that I really, really want to do. So then I just spend more time with them. I tell them certain things that maybe they, they that they may want to go ahead and sharpen their skills on, you know, in terms of like advanced stats, being able to, to extrapolate data, and and really just listening and talking to like different professionals. 
because mm-hmm. once we talk to different professionals, like, you know, whether it's for an NFL team or an NBA team, and you want to get in their shoes or, like, my shoes, like, we're the perfect people to, like, to answer your questions. Like, hey, I want to be in your shoes, so what is it that I need to do to, like, get where you to get where you are currently? So mm-hmm. it's really just asking, like, proper questions and just making sure that you're able to go ahead and get the correct answer you know, from the professionals, in addition to making sure that you kind of sharpen your skills in terms of the math part and really have good critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your insights. I love talking about sort of sports analytics, education, and, and how you introduce people to, uh, to, the, to the subject that we all love. So thank you so much for coming on. Of course, and thank you for everything that you've done.